Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Religion and the Global Resurgence of Violence and the subtitle Connection of the Abrahamics. And joining me from Colorado Springs in the United States of America is author Reverend Dr. Kazito Chike Ozodibia. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Thank you very much. Well, Doctor, you have uh, have done a, a great deal of work on this, I'm sure, because it's 328 pages. Your country of origin was uh, was Nigeria. You've uh, published three other books related to Nigeria and your uh, your involvement there, your birth there, and other things that have uh, transpired or transpi- transpired in the in the country of Nigeria. This book dealing with th- uh, theology is uh, is an outcropping of your your personal ministry because you are pastor of the Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, you have, obviously, a, a great educational background as well. Tell me about this particular book, Religion and the Global Resurgence of Violence. You have researched it greatly. How long did it take to write? As a matter of fact, it, um, it took me, like, two years. Uh, but uh, I've reflected over the, this subject for a long time, you know. Yes. Um, I I I I resent the religious violence. I resent the violence I see happening in the name of religion in churches. Um, but lately, the curiosity grew so hard because I uh, noticed that people, <coughs> Christian. When I say people, I mean Christians. Right. Um, uh, Jews and other religions point accusing fingers uh, at the Muslims as if they are the only uh, people who are violent, you know? Yes. So, with that curiosity, uh, I was gingered into action. I started researching. And in, my, in the course of my research, I discovered that all, almost all the religions, almost all the religions with emphasis are violent, you know, one way or the other. Do you, the only do you... problem I discovered was was that the, the the Muslims seem to be celebrating their own one way or the other. So, but generally speaking, all the religions are violent. And that you, is why I wrote this book. When you say religions are violent, is it not just, it's not necessarily the uh, the foundation of that faith or that religion, it, I, it, with one exception, I believe. Uh, it really is an outcropping of uh, personal passions and, and other things that get in the way. Would that be a better way to describe it, or a way I would describe it? Well, your description is right, you know. Your description is right. Um Fundamentally, I don't think any of these religions I, I examined in this book uh, preach violence as, as, except Islam in some passages. Correct. In some passages in the Bible also, you will find some some uh, violent areas where, where uh, God or one patriarch or prophet uh, went out to, 
you know, slaughter some people in the name of propagating right. uh, God. Yes. You know, so yeah, yeah, that is basically what I discovered in my research. Your your book, your chapter two in specific, and this is uh, where you make it contemporary as far as analysis. You talk about Guyana, you talk about uh, Eric Rudolph, Timothy McVeigh. Uh, Catholics, Protestants, Irish Catholics and Protestants, you talk about all of the faiths and also uh, take a very honest look at, at what has transpired and how it's, uh, how it's propagated in our, in our world. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, it's a follow-up to what I just told you about uh, religion, you know, and uh, the people who are propagating one thing or the other. Like the Reverend Gray you mentioned and uh, the rest of them, yes. you know, they thought it's their duty to to bomb abortion areas or bomb um, gay clubs and all that. Instead of leaving it for God, your duty, my duty as a priest as, is just to preach the Word of God. Right. And to preach it, drive the message home, not to preach it with fear. Uh, you know that is that is why I'm a prophet. A priest is a prophet, you know, uh, and that is what I think. Uh, the, those reverence I mentioned in the second chapter should have done, rather than embark on uh, massive killing and destroying properties. Absolutely. You you talk about Boko Haram, which is uh, showing up in the news, but not a lot of people understand their background. What can you share about that particular uh, sect? Oh yeah, it's um, it's a sect. Uh, in fact, it's a terrorist group that uh, want to split Nigeria into into want to the one that not the, the north, which is predominantly uh, Muslim, to be remain a, a political entity of its own. It, it it started like it started like a play. It started like you know just religious sect because in the north, as a matter of fact, in the north, northern Nigeria. There's been uh, crises upon crises, Muslims attacking Christians and killing them, destroying their homes and properties, uh, until recently it took a different dimension. Mm. Uh, From being being, um, religious extremists, uh, it it, it advanced to a terrorist group that are now... uh, uh, Strongly asking for autonomy of the law because they want to establish the Sharia. Oh. The Sharia, you know, they want the Sharia to reign in the north, which is against the Nigerian constitution of 1999. Is the latest constitution we are using now. Uh, the constitution strictly makes Nigeria a secular state, but in the north, in the north, they have violated that that section of the constitution. You wow. know, they have always used Sharia, Sharia law in the north, which is okay for them, you know, because every state is autonomous, uh, it's kind of a sovereign state. But now to make it universal, to, to, to extend it to the whole of Nigeria, that is the problem. That is what they are fighting for. And that is why, that is why the incumbent government cannot fight it, because the incumbent government is headed by a Muslim himself, a much Muslim, Incredible. you know, so mm. he will be he will have sympathy for his people definitely, and that is why they are flexing their muscles. Okay, um, last 
December 24th, the president of Nigeria made a broadcast that um, Boko Haram had been routed. It was a lie. Mm. A month after, their, their leader uh, made a broadcast, you know, through some international media. Correct. Um, and, and then recently, recently also, about last, two years ago, last year, I can't remember very well now, they paid allegiance to ISIS. So it's now, it's now a full-fledged arm of ISIS. It's incredible and, what's, what's and, happening in our world. Absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible. And that, yes. is, that is probably why it would be difficult to uh, deal a final death blow to them. You know? you have... Because they now receive funding and, uh, and uh, arming from uh, this formidable terrorist group uh, in, in Iraq and Syria. One other group that you mentioned that I'm not familiar with, I, I believe it's pronounced Akim, is that correct? A-Q-I-M. What is, what is that uh, particular group and where are they located? You mentioned North Africa. Oh, they're, they're, they are in Somalia. Somalia, okay. They are in North Africa, yes. They are in North Africa. Uh, it's also, uh, it was an, it, uh, it's an offshoot of uh, Al-Qaeda, you know? Wow. It's an offshoot of Al-Qaeda. Um, uh, it's a very interesting... It's a very interesting story if you read the book. See how Al-Qaeda has been spreading. ISIS is also, a, 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 it used to be a branch of Al-Qaeda until it assumed more power than Al-Qaeda. Even the Al-Qaeda leaders, if you read, if you read very well, you will see the uh, leaders of Al-Qaeda uh, confessed that ISIS is more than a terrorist group because they are very powerful. They are more powerful than Al-Qaeda itself. That's amazing. Now, you're, so, you're, you personally have mentioned that, that you are or have been a victim of, of uh, violence in, uh, with religion as a part of that core. Is that something that you'd like to share? Um, that would be... I would like to share, but it's, it's, it's a regrettable something, you know? Right. If you look at, um, if you look at uh, the introductory chapters, um, I... I mentioned that I have I have been a victim myself of right. religious violence and it's my religion, not the Muslim religion, my religion which is uh, uh, Catholicism, you know? Yes. Um, well, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's a human, it's, these are human beings in operating, you know? Uh, Jesus Christ created a perfect society, a church, yes, but handed did. it over to imperfect human beings. Who yep. now think they are the right hand of God and the mouth of God, you know? So if things don't go their own way, you are blacklisted, and that you are done. You are that's the end of you, you know? Yes. And then they want they want you to to go, 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 crawl on your knees or go through hoops in order to uh, be in their good but which is, is very is very shameful. It's regrettable. It's regrettable. I, 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 I don't feel comfortable discussing it, but I, I like to mention it so that people know. Yes. Like this book, the subject of this book. So that people stop pointing, accusing fingers on uh, ISIS or Boko Haram or other terrorists. Look inside. Look inside your own, your own religion, and see the violence. If you, if you, if you see where I classify different kinds of violence. There was a place I mentioned 
religious, spiritual uh, violence. Spiritual violence simply means um, taking advantage of your beliefs to to harm you, you know? Like, we talk about obedience, let's say obedience, and then somebody will say, okay, you vowed to be obedient to your bishop or your superior, and then you, you must do this. If you don't do this, you know, like you must do this, because the person knows you will definitely do it because of obedience. See what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, making use of your belief, the things you hold very sacred to attack you or victimize you. These things are happening everywhere. Some okay. church leaders have taken advantage of young boys and girls, you know, and the uh, prelates have suppressed priests and any opposition. In fact, it's not different from what dictators do. It's not different from what uh, people like uh, uh, King Jong-un or some other uh, uh, dictators the world has produced in history. People like Idi Amin, Hitler, uh, 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 you know them, you know, Mussolini, Francisco, Franco, mm-hmm. uh, all, all those Idi Amin, all those, all those people who have been, who are known in history to be very brutal against any opposition. It is now, as as a pastor, I'm sure I'm sure you have some some solutions or some suggestions in the in your book that uh, would guide people to a better understanding not only of your your uh, analysis of religion and the global resurgence of violence, but also some solutions. What have you? What are you hoping to achieve by your book? You know, this book. First of all, the the aim the aim is to expose the irreligiosity of some religions to expose the, the, the evil that is going on in the name of religion, you know? And then I took these three religions. The reason I took these three religions is because statistically, they are, if, if, they, if you uh, add their numbers together, you will find out that they, they number half the world's population. Mm-hmm. More than half the world's population, I mean. So uh, the the aim is to let these people see what is happening in our religions, and then what can we do? This is the this is the aim of the book, you know. So I I I detailed a lot of uh, uh, recommendations that could hopefully lead to uh, stemming the tide of religious violence. You know, one of them, one of them I must emphasize is dialogue. I mean, forgive, first of all, forgiveness, you know? Right. The popes, the popes in recent times, well, the popes in recent times, yes, have apologized to the Semitic people for the silence of the church when uh, the Holocaust was happening, you know? Yes. Uh, Pope, uh, Pope Pope Paul VI apologized to them. Pope John, John Paul II also uh, did that. Um, and uh, the church has also apologized for the uh, pedophile, especially in America. You know, John Paul II did that. Benedict XVI did that. Francis is now doing that also. So you see, when you when you acknowledge that you have wronged somebody, that you have, you know, wronged somebody, and say, "I'm sorry," 
it goes a long way to heal a wound, no matter how deep that wound is. Mm. But but the arrogance, the arrogance of the leaders of these churches will not let them apologize to their priests they have injured or their lay faithful who is there, whom they have whom they have uh, wounded, you know, hurt very terribly. You know, they think, oh, if I do that, then it means I'm not a solid personality. So that is that is ter- terrible, you know. Yes. It's a terrible assumption. So that is why I think that one apologies will, will go a long way to stem the tide of violence, both in intra. I use the word intra-religion and inter-religion. You know. Yes. <clears throat> because once you are reconciled amongst yourself, then you can, you know, sell the peace. Outside, like St. Paul would say in one of his letters, uh, he was advising the visions, I think, to you know live live good lives so that people will look at them and say, see how they love themselves, see how they love themselves. You know, yes. you can't be preaching a religion of peace and then you are at the same time hurting people, hurting people, innocent people, even if they are guilty. Why not? Do it by dialogue, which is another point I raised. In fact, instead of dialogue, I said trialogue. You know, so, so the, that, that is the three religions making a forum to come together mm. and talk. Make the, the leaders of these religions or delegates, reasonable people, you know, coming together once in a while to talk. Hey, we are brothers and we are brothers and sisters. So Absolutely. why are we? killing ourselves. Why are we fighting killing ourselves? You know? So trilogy, uh, 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 trilogue, like I called it, is very, very necessary in this case. You know? First of all, let us acknowledge that we are from one origin, from a common origin. Absolutely. why wouldn't we live in peace? You know? Absolutely. I outlined outlined ways they can go about the uh, um, uh, trilogic meetings, you know, uh, they can rotate it. One, they can take it to uh, Islam. I mean, to uh, uh, Jerusalem to meet. Next, they can come to the Vatican to meet. Next, they can go to Saudi Arabia. You know, they rotating that. Let let the world know that these religions are from one father, one father. And that's Abraham. that's why you have subtitled that's why you've subtitled it Connections of the Abrahamics. Uh, this is exactly. this is a well well exactly. re- well researched book. I have another I have another recommendation. Sure. I have another recommendation. Um, I I recommended um, erecting a monument for Ishmael. You know, Ishmael was first the son of Abraham. Yes. He was the first son of Abraham. Okay, you know, monuments monuments are are historic. They are emotional also. Like like the day I went to I went to the um, um, Vietnam Vietnam Memorial uh, Monument so in, in D.C. in Washington. Yes, you know, well, yeah, I was I was moved. I was touched. Look at this young boy, nineteen years, eighteen years. You know, so monuments can be emotional, and it can it can. I, 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 um, I, I switch 
even the most burning anger. So when when if you remember when Joshua led in in chapter sixteen, when Joshua led the Israelites out of into the promised land across the Jordan, the Jordan you know the Jordan separated like the Red Sea did. You did. The Jordan separated, so they walked through, and God commanded him to use twelve stones to erect a monument there. And then yes, when the people are here, explain to them that they should tell their generations yet unborn that upon crossing the, the Jordan, the river separated and they, they walked through to the promised land. So if I believe that um, Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, definitely must have told Ishmael how they were humiliated when Sarah, the wife of Abraham, found out that she was pregnant, how they were kicked out into the wild, you know? And, you know, children, I don't know if you can remember something your dad told you. I don't forget myself. I don't forget easily. So, Ishmael, on the other hand, must have told his descendants who founded the Palestinian world today about the humiliation religion has been a, a problem uh, embracing a violence and then blaming it on their religion or their faith. I mentioned it several times. Where, where do we get copies of your book? You can get it on Amazon.com, BarnesOfNobles.com, KizitoSudibia.com. You can also get directly from the publishers, AuthorHouse.com. Excellent. And I'm sure there will be other internet outlet. Yes, they can do a search under your name, and I will spell your last name for them. It is O-S-U-D-I-B-I-A. The author's name, again, Reverend Doctor. The Reverend Doctor is not on the title, but uh, he is a reverend and a doctor. Thank you for joining me from Colorado Springs. Kazito Chike Ozudubia. Thank you, sir, for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you very much. My pleasure, sir. For Author House, this is J. Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute defines high cholesterol as a condition in which you have too much cholesterol in your blood. By itself, the condition usually has no signs or symptoms. People who have high blood cholesterol have a greater chance of getting coronary artery disease. According to the American Heart Association, more than 120 million Americans over the age of 20 have cholesterol counts that are above a healthy level. Harvard Medical School says that the good news is that cholesterol levels can be controlled. And just by lowering your total cholesterol 10%, you can decrease your heart attack risk by 20 to 30%. Making changes in your eating is important, but including daily exercise is a must. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. The title of this book, this book of poems, Cynthia's Psalms, Love Notes to the King and the Poet, is Cynthia C. Douglas, and Cynthia joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Cynthia. Hello, how are you? Great to have you with us, Cynthia. 
These love notes to the king, they are very special experience that you had in doing this. Uh, you call them a book of love notes written especially to the king of kings. It was birthed out of a time of prayer and fasting. So tell us about this experience, this prayer and fasting, and how the book of Psalms played a very key role in producing your love notes to the king. Okay. Actually, I was um, preparing for to be consecrated into the fivefold ministry, and um, so the Lord instructed me to go on a 40-day fast. And during the time of fasting, he um, instructed me to do one hour of uh, just laying out before him every day, uninterrupted with, uh, I call it soaking music, worship music. And as I would just lay there, um, and I have a notebook by me, the the Holy Spirit would just just uh, kind of like impress me, and, and these words would come, and I would just write them out. And uh, I did this every day for 40 days, and even after that for a while I, I continued. And um, that's how the love notes were birthed, because I was just expressing, you know, whatever uh, came up in my heart, that's what I was putting on paper. And at the time, I had no idea that this was going to be published or anything. I just thought it was something that the Lord was telling me to do, and I was being obedient. And uh, so Cynthia Psalms, the title came to me because I love the book of Psalms. I, I That's probably the book I read the most out of it, uh, on a daily basis. And um, I love David, and, and uh, I just love the, the book of Psalms, and I, I um, they inspired me. But... Um, that's how I got the the title Cynthia Psalms. I thought about it, and I said, "Well, David, <laughs> he wrote the Book of Psalms in the Bible, or he had a part in it." And um, so I thought, you know, that was a very um, a very good title. And the uh, the the poems just, like I said, they just kind of flowed each day. Each day was different, um, but it was just that one hour span of time that I would lay out before the Lord. Um, in worship, and, and, and um, the words would come. Now, you see your book not to be just read one time. You see it sort of a devotional, a daily experience for readers. Yes. Uh, those that have um, those that have, have read it, that they, they are using it that way, and that was my hope and my desire, that it would not be a book that you just read one time, or you know, and uh, put it aside, and and it's really happening. I've had um, I've had some some readers to that I know. You know, they have texted me and called me and told me, you know, guess what? Uh, guess what I'm reading right now? Guess what the Lord told me to do? To pull your book back out, and and I'm in the midst of it right now, uh, using it as a devotional for a season. So that's my desire. Is that it? It's it, since it's poems, it is not. Um, it's not just a book to read, but I, I'm praying that, you know, on a daily basis that it will be uh, a tool of ministry and that the Lord will really speak to them. And also it can be an example of how to um, express yourself to the, to the Lord. Well, it's time for you to share one of those. Okay. What would you like to do? I'm going to do, I'm going to do my most favorite one first, and it's called Into Me See. Intimacy. I broke the word intimacy down, and and it's I N dash T O dash M E dash S E E into me see, and intimacy 
into me. See, that's what I want. See into me, into my heart, my will, my motives, my soul, my desires, my emotions. Lord, see into me because intimacy is what I want, what I long for. Intimacy with you, your intimacy with me. Into me, see. Intimacy. Very good. I like that that play on that word intimacy. Uh, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it does. It does. And I, I um, and that is a desire. You know, if if you're gonna know someone, you're gonna have a relationship, uh, and you're gonna be uh, very close and intimate. You they are gonna see into you. You're gonna see into them. You will know them in a way that others don't know them. And uh, that's what I was getting out of intimacy, that closeness. And, you you know, you can be so close to God. Uh, and God sees us anyway. <laughs> and he sees into us anyway. But um, it was just, that just came to me one day. Into me, see it. Intimacy. That's what, that's what you want to do. See into me. Your quest, your goal, your relationship with God. You want to be a woman after God's own heart. Yes. And that's my desire. And I, like I said, David is one character in the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament, that that uh, you know that just kind of fascinates me. And um, out of all that he did and all that he went through, and uh, um, he still was uh, considered as a man after God's own heart. And uh, he knew how to get when he got away from God. He knew how to to repent and get right back in good graces with God. He knew how to work his way uh, back to God's heart. And um, and I, I, I was so impressed with that. And, and just, you know, he knew how to get close to God and um, and how to how to touch God's heart. And with with all the, the the things that he did that you would think that uh, God's heart would have been hardened toward him, but it wasn't. And he was a man after God's own heart, and he had a heart towards God, even in the midst of uh, the wrongs that he did. His heart was still after God. And so that's that's my desire, is to always be a woman after God's heart, seeking him and pleasing him and finding out what, you know, what um, what he desires and, and, and just um, obeying him and making God happy. Share with us another poem. Okay. Um, okay, this one is called, I Live to Love on You. I love to love on you, Lord. I live to love on you. I live to sing your praises. I live to shout for joy. I live to love on you, Lord, more and more and more. I live to give you glory and honor. I love to call your name and hear you sweetly answer back. I live to love on you, Lord. I live to love on you. I love to curl up in your arms and kiss you on the cheek. I live to enter your sweet, sweet presence daily and from week to week. I love to read your word to you, then hear you gently speak. I love to take some time with you, sitting quietly at your feet. I love to call you the apple of my eye, the center of my joy. I love to commune with you one-on-one. I love you more and more. 
I live to love on you, Lord. I live to love on you. I live to love on you, my King. I live to love on you. Very peaceful. Very, very, very well done. Really brings us to a, another level of, just another level of peace and and harmony. Uh, words are so important. And they, yes. They really do take us places, and that's what's beautiful about these love notes. They take us places in our feelings, in our spirit, in our emotions. Now, this journal of love notes and poems that you call Cynthia's Psalms, this is not the end. You have a sequel. I do. It's going to be Cynthia's Psalms uh, 2, but it's going to be love notes from the heart of the king. And so these will be, these are going to be kind of brief notes. Um, but it's going to be God talking this time. In the first book, I was expressing myself and my heart to God. This time, God is going to be expressing his heart to his people. I would like to say to his daughters, but um, this can apply to anybody, female or male. So uh, I will. It is being written uh, right now, and I hope to have it published in the next few months. Before we find out the best way to get your book, Cynthia's Psalms, Love Notes to the King, give us one more. Share one more with us. Okay. Okay. Um, I have one. This is called Spending Time with You. There's nothing better than being in love with God, my King, and Him being in love with me. Spending time with you, God, just spending time with you. Just being still with you, laying my head on your chest, feeling your warm embrace, kissing me on the cheek and whispering softly in my ear, you are mine. I have chosen you. You are my bride, my love, my heart. Yes, I love you. Laying my head on your chest and knowing that I am so blessed to share a love with a God like you. I love the time we spend together, the moments of intimate passion, caressing the channels of my heart, my king, my royal, regal love. Very good. Very, very well said. Cynthia, what's the best way to get your book? Cynthia's Psalms. You can go to www, this is my website, www.cynthiasalms.com. Well, thank you, Cynthia, for joining us on Author Talk. Thank you for allowing me to be on. Very exciting. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. It's Marching it or not, there are times when even I can't think of the right word. The inability to think of a word is called lethologica. Texas Monthly Magazine recently came out with some colorful homespun sayings. Old as dirt and common as cornbread in the Lone Star State. Did you hear about the Texan that could strut sitting down? But he was all hat and no cattle, which means very boastful, but with nothing about which to boast. On top of that, he don't know a widget from a wangdoodle or a diddly squat. 
His wife was a mighty strong woman. She'd charge hell with a bucket of ice water. She was always telling folks that he was so tight, he could squeeze a nickel till the buffalo screamed. She also said he was famous for calling the hogs all night. Or snoring. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. The title of the book, Shut the Door on Yesterday, and the writer, Agnes Martin. She joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Agnes. Hello. Great to have you with us, Agnes. Now, you've written poems, you've written your experiences, even your religious experiences about your life in your book, Shut the Door on Yesterday. So tell us a little bit about why you did this, how this book came about. Well, I was being a worker. I was being working until I retired. My last job is about, uh, it was, uh, I was an assistant teacher with a Fresno Unified School District. And when I retired, um, I went on a mission for the church, a free mission, I mean, volunteer, volunteer work. And um, everything was fine. I loved, I loved it. Uh, I, I met a lot of people. I got to help the church, and it was nice. It was a very nice experience. What happened is that I I got I got ill, I got a, an illness, and so I I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do this mission anymore. I, they sent me the church sent me back home to rest. So because I am such an active person, I I was restless. So I began to just try little thoughts and uh, little experiences about my illnesses and that. And then I started. I, I started to, to write more and more, and I, I I realized that it was a profound experience, and it was helping me to regain my strength, my memory. And uh, so I continue until, like I told you before, uh, one of my sons gave me the idea to to finish the book, to continue writing until I had enough pages to look for a publisher, and that and I did it. That's what I did. Well, why don't we take a a break in discussing all the things about your book and have you share with us the poem, Shut the Door on Yesterday, a poem that means a lot to you. Yeah, it does mean a lot to me because that's exactly what I did. I shut the door on yesterday, its sorrows and mistakes. I had many sorrows and I made many mistakes. Uh, sometimes the world seems very gloomy. <laughs> My past failures and gave me heartaches. So everything in the poem reflects my life experience in a very poetic way. Why don't you continue on? Okay. I. You want me to read the whole poem? Please. And now I saw the key away to seek another room and furnish it with hope and smiles and every springtime bloom. No thoughts shall enter this about that has a hint of pain and every malice and distrust shall never therein reign. 
I've shut the door on yesterday and thrown the key away. Tomorrow holds no doubt for me since I have found today. Well, that does sum it up. That does sum up a life, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. That's why I told you that uh, because of this religious experience and this poem, uh, I have found today. I really found today when I had the religious experience. That's why it was important to talk about this. So how did your life change so much, as you put it, with the grace of God? Because it was through the grace of God. Uh, it's all in the book. <laughs> but it was, uh, I had been away from church for some time. I'm a Catholic, and I uh, have grown up Catholic, and my family was is Catholic, and uh, I used to go to church with my grandmother. So I was very much involved in the church until I decided to just not go anymore. One of my brothers invited me to accompany him, and uh, and I did. And uh, when I heard when I heard the word being proclaimed, when I heard the the word of the of the Lord, like they said at the end of the readings, they always said the word of the Lord, and I and I I heard that it was the word of the Lord talking to me, talking to me, to change my life and not to make so many mistakes anymore. And I did. That's when I did it. When I, because I heard it in my heart. I heard that God wanted me to do this, to live the good life. Well, we all make wrong decisions from time to time, but you're saying that nothing is impossible with God and also that the church, there's a lot of wisdom at church. Yes. Yes, that's what I said. Nothing is impossible for God. That's my motto in life now. <laughs> Nothing is impossible for God. Well, the the writing of this book, I'm sure, really was uh, therapeutic in many ways. Well, I think that, I think that uh, when you put your thoughts in writing, and you read them again, it makes more sense. So if it makes more sense to you, then it's therapeutic in a way. Yeah, you're right. And you're going to write some more. Yes. Now, and uh, I see, not, I cannot stop writing now. <laughs> <laughs> because I have so much fun. I have so much fun writing. So it's been a very fulfilling experience looking back and then even looking forward. In a way, in a way, yes, because when you when you enter in the in the in the faith, when you start receiving this faith from the church, you realize that the forward is easier because there's there is a there is someone in control, not just you. So somebody, the- is, someone is guiding you in the church for the future. So there is hope. For the future, when we put our trust in God? Amen. You said it. You said it better than I. <laughs> well, I think we all, deep down, 
even those who say they don't believe, but I think I just can't imagine deep down if they're really honest with themselves, there's a feeling there. Wouldn't you say that? Yes, I would. Well, I I ask uh, somebody one day, uh, somebody that told me that he didn't believe in God, and I ask him, excuse me, just a minute, can you make a banana? Can you make a banana? A banana is something simple. Can you make it? When you're hungry, go ahead, make a banana and eat it. <laughs> they said, no, I cannot make a banana. I said, well, then God can. God can make a banana. Right. <laughs> I never think with something to think about. <laughs> uh, you did. You very well put. Yes, you gave him a lot to think about. <laughs> well, Agnes, Agnes Martin, she is the writer of her book, Shut the Door on Yesterday. What's the best way, Agnes, to get your book? Well, it's being published, I believe. Uh, you can download it from Amazon.com on Burns and Nobles also. But you can also just uh, drive the name or the title in the computer and download it, and you can purchase it in the computer. Well, we thank you so much, Agnes, for joining us on Author Talk. Thank you very much for calling me. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.